Welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. My name is uh, Andy, and I'm here with my co-hosts, uh, Glenn and Ryan, and we are three ordinary pastors from three different generations, uh, comparing notes about life and ministry. Uh, we always want to uh, kind of highlight the fact that we are from three generations, so we begin each podcast with a, uh, a question that hopefully highlights a little bit more of who we are and uh, where we've come from. So guys, my question for you as we start this morning is each of us has kids, and uh, all of us like to uh, kind of remember and look back on our, our kids' lives, but uh, it's been different how we uh, we publicize and or um, document that the their journeys. And so I'm curious to hear from you guys the different methods that you've used to document your kids' journeys. Um, some of that will probably be technology. Some of that will just be uh, exposure and tools. But uh, how, how did you guys document your kids' lives? Well, I'm the oldest. And so I've gone from, from paper to, to digital and, uh, and everything in between up to this point. So it used to be, so I still have this, uh, this metal filing box, file box, safety deposit kind of box that has, you know, the paper birth certificates and, and different significant things that took place, but hardly had any pictures, certainly no videos uh, of any of the, of the youngest kids. Um, and then, and then as the, as the kids emerged, five kids, uh, uh, came about and technology changed and then slowly made that move over to uh, over to digital and now I have file you know electronic file folders and uh, everyone has their name to it and I still do it with paper in that I uh, still have a Bible each year that I read that I dedicate to one of them and I take notes of what went on in their life during that year and in the lives of our family as well mm-hmm. so I've done that but as an example so I'm going to uh, to do it right now. So last night in the middle of the night, one, just after one o'clock AM, uh, my 10th grandchild was born. And so here we are on the podcast. So Ruby Marie was born nine, nine pounds, nine ounces, 21 inches long. And, uh, and she came into this world and we were sent a video, uh, of, of, uh, of her nestled in her mother's arms you know, what, 15 minutes later or something like that. So that's the documentation that we have today. That wasn't the documentation uh, <laughs> 40 years ago with the birth of the first one. <clears throat> yeah, I was trying to think, uh, you know, we we have progressively less. I think the more kids that we've had, the you know, the first kid always gets all of the things and all of the documentation. Um, I think we probably started with like a, a 35 millimeter camera where you had to go and you took a picture and it was good or not good. And you didn't know until you got it back from the developers. Um, and then eventually we ended up with digital cameras. Um, and, but most of those were really big and, uh, and even the, the video cameras were, were, you know, by tape. And so those were pretty big. Um, and I think we have some tapes here and there of, of our younger kids I'm not even sure we have anything that we could play those tapes on anymore. Um, and then eventually digital and then really probably for the last at least five or six years, most of it is just captured on cell phones and videos that either get saved or not saved or might get uploaded to certain sites if they're really funny or or interesting or notable. Um, and so I don't know, even know if we have a lot of file folders. We have f- files on certain computers. Um, but some of those are just in online spaces uh, that that document different events. 
Well, the day that my oldest daughter was born, I had an iPhone in my hand. And so I have not had to jump around to any of those crazy 35 millimeter or what's an actual photo. You can print those things out. I just thought they're on digital screens. Ouch. The moment, the moment they were born, we opened their first Instagram account and started. No, no not really. Um, we've always been on phones. And w- what I have observed is that like comparing my mom, like I, my mom has created this photo album for all of the kids. I have three other siblings. So there's this photo album and it's, I don't know, six inches thick and it goes up through high, like middle school, somewhere in there till finally we're like, mom quit taking photos of us and posting it. And she handed us this book this one time. Like you can like, and she even said like, once you die, you can take this home. I was like, I, okay, I guess. Uh, but I have so many photos of my daughters that it would fill volumes of those because it's so easy to go click 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 okay one of those is good um so we've had videos and photos of stuff you know since the beginning and now i i got on an old phone um that we had switched phones but it was still in our possession and i i pulled up the photo app and i was realizing my daughter had been taking videos and photos of her on it of playing with her her dolls and things like that so we have photos that we've taken of them photos that they've taken of them um, it, we have every, every single possible element of life, um, archived <laughs> in that way. But what's it's, funny we, is that I wonder how that affects how we reflect back on those things. I mean, I, I can think of some of those photo albums as kids where we would sit down and, and thumb through them. And I almost wonder in the digital age, like we don't, we don't do that same thing. Like we, we somehow, if there's an anchor, we go back to it or we might look for something. But we don't sit there and just kind of reflect and how that's kind of changed um, the nature of of those memories and how we how we interact with them. What's interesting um, is like face. Now this is like not on the topic, but like Facebook will pull up the memories of this is what happened three years ago. Right. That's kind of the one of the only times I'm like, oh yeah, I took that photo three years ago, and I like I think of that event, but I do think because of the onslaught of um, images, we don't we don't look back at it. Though you should, as you, at some point today, you should scroll back to the very first photo that your phone has saved on it. It'll be a, it'll be a fun thing. Mine is some <laughs> crazy thing. Every time I go back there, I'm like, holy cow, why do I have this on my phone? Like it's some image of a dude. I'll, I'll show you guys after the fact. And it's <laughs> makes me laugh every time. And that's why I just keep it there. Yeah, like seven funny. years ago. Well, we want to talk a little bit today about uh, training preachers. Um, I have in my office a, a, a baton, you know, like you use in a, in a running race. And inscribed on that baton is the verse 2 Timothy 2.2. These things entrust to faithful men who are able to uh, teach others also. And the, the whole idea is just a physical illustration for me that part of my job as a pastor, as a preacher is to hand that baton to the next generation, that they would hand that baton to the next generation, that the Christian life in, really, in many senses is that relay race. And one of the ways we specifically as pastors and preachers do that, I think, is to help other people that are pastors and preachers um, gain that skill um, and gain that um, artistry uh, of, of being a preacher and a communicator of God's word. Um, and so I'm just curious to you guys, as you have looked at, um, how have you kind of done that with those that are around you? 
Um, how, how have you encouraged other people in their teaching, preaching, ministry specifically? Why don't I go first? Because I have the I have the least amount of information of uh, time under 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 my belt here. Um, in many ways, I'm still I, I'm still learning. I'm still f- figuring this out for the first time. Uh, I have found that um, one of the things that that influenced me as I was developing my preaching, uh, especially early on, as I was very rough, was to pick an individual that I wanted to sound like. Um, and wanted to mimic and, um, and the, with all the best intentions to mimic them, not stealing their notes, but saying, okay, I, I, I like the way they structure sermons. I like the way that they communicate points. I like the, their style of delivery and intentionally thinking through the delivery side of things with them in mind until imitation then turned into it. it not, not that I stole their voice, but I became comfortable enough in that spot that I be could figure out how I wanted to tweak it and, and, and learn from there. Um, I've, I have found that, uh, from myself and others, as I'm talking with our associate pastors and we have a, a, a new student ministries pastor, they don't in the education process, they don't actually explain how to preach on a consecutive basis across, across the board, across the Bible in through our education and i found this where I, I came in having gone to seminary having taken preaching classes having gotten some pretty good grades in preaching classes and then turning out to to preach on a regular basis and the nerves and uh preaching on a consistent basis to the same individuals week in week out passages that i might not fully understand at the beginning of the week and trying to get there is so nerve-wracking that just going back to the basics of what's the structure what's the style um, was really helpful for me. And I try to, I try to, I've tried to give those same tools to, um, my student ministries pastor. I'm sure I'll have more to say, but w- what have you guys done? Because you guys have clearly had mm. the opportunity of developing more individuals. Glenn, how about for you? Yeah, there's more access than ever to kind of what you described to going on and, and, and seeing preachers preach and, and, and finding, uh, uh, finding some good good wisdom and insight there uh i what what's helped me and what i try to to uh to create and i just recently put words to this in fact it might have been through a podcast a, a previous podcast that i that i that i found myself using this this mantra read the book read the room and then i would ask speak accordingly mm-hmm. um so first of all read the book have something to say um, and, and do all the appropriate study and, and, and you know, what's the, the big idea? What's the direction that this author is trying to get us to? And then and, and at that particular time, that was so important. And then read the room. So who am I speaking to? Uh, where are they at? How do I fit them then into what I'm reading uh, in the book? And then architecting that message in such a way that I'm speaking accordingly, you know, depending on what, uh, if it's a, uh, you know, if there's a particular challenge, if it's more upbeat and a challenge that way, or if it's something that, that is more mournful, that they need to be aware of, just kind of meet, take that word and and meet that the congregation where they're at and then, and then speak appropriately. So that, that's the, the, the broad strokes of just challenging people to do. So if I'm just, uh, just studying the culture constantly and speaking into that without knowing the word, or knowing what the Bible has to say, well, then that doesn't help me. If I'm just studying the word 
but not familiar with who I'm speaking it to, then that doesn't meet because the goal is communication. The goal is to be able to to uh, to make a connection there between what God would have to say uh, to these people that are in front of me that can help transform their lives. That's the goal. So trying to to begin there to make sure that we know uh, where it is that we're going. So one of the things um, I've done is with our specifically with our elders and some of our upcoming or ongoing leaders is I use the summer as an opportunity to kind of cultivate some of those um, for two purposes. It helps me cultivate those leaders in their teaching, but also gives me an opportunity to take a little bit of a break. Um, and so we we usually put together a series that's connected. Um, but isn't necessarily sequential uh, exposition. So, for instance, this summer we're doing the I am statements of John. Those are connected, but they're they're you know different passages, different places. We've done Psalms or we've done Proverbs, um, just different places where we can we can uh, allow people to to explore. And then I walk beside them um, as they study the passage, as they begin to get that ready, as they begin to formulate an outline. Um, and usually sit down, and especially those that are just doing it for the first time, try to go with them multiple times. Um, and then we've also initiated over the last couple of years a, uh, a pastoral residency program where we have guys come in, and part of um, they're going to be here with us for at least two years, and they're going to regularly preach. And so they're going to preach at least once a month, and they're going to preach at some point. They're going to preach multiple sermons at a at a clip because I think. It's different preaching once a month versus preaching this Sunday. And then, oh, you know, we we say amen on that sermon. And guess what? You know, seven days later, you get to do it again. And so um, kind of getting into that rhythm and that flow uh, is, is, I think, important as well. So just trying to figure out some ways to do that and to foster that within our congregation, I think, has been important. It's been interesting with me as uh, Andy. We've we've done similar things. We're doing the same thing um, this summer as well. And as elders preach, the question that they even struggle with is what is preaching versus what is teaching. Mm. And I've seen this with younger individuals coming out of education of what is actually preaching. What does it look like? What's what's it what's it feel like? How does it how does it sound? And even that basics of um, and that that question of what is a sermon is heavily debated anyway, because one person's going to say it's expositional, one person's going to say it's topical, one person's going to say it sounds like a TED talk. One per- like there's all of these different styles of things, and so often we can kind of put our stake in us. A, a sermon has to look like this style, and if it doesn't look like this style and have this length and have this tone and tenor, then it's not a sermon. But even going back to having them answer, okay, what's a sermon? What is preaching supposed to look like so they even are even have the right thing that they're aiming at? And I don't think there's any. Um, the only way that you get better at preaching is to preach. Right. Which means, and this is the hard part for those people sitting in the pews. That means you might have to sit through a bad sermon or two to let the person work out what they're what they're doing so that they can get better. But I've seen guys, I've seen this with some elders, well, they'll, they'll, they'll preach for the first time and they'll step down and go, well, that was terrible. And it's never as bad as they think, but that's like, okay, but you're going to do it again because there's no way to get better at it unless you do it again. Well, and I think that's where you have to, I mean, I've, I've tried with 
most of the guys to have kind of a postmortem um, in their sermon. So it's not just, hey, we're going to get you ready. Hey, there's this climax. You did it. Great. Thank you. Let's talk about how you did. Like, what what would you change? How would you mm-hmm. you um, mold that or change that? And, um, you know, I wish I could do that in a more regular clip with myself. Um, but again, Sunday's always coming. And, uh, and so that's, that's hard to do sometimes. So if you guys were going to share with, I, Glenn, you kind of said a, a little bit on this, but if you were going to share with a young preacher, what would you have them focus on? Like what, what, were, what would be the things that you would say, hey, if, you, if you're going to do these things, uh, if you're going to preach, focus on these things. Um, try to hit these targets. Wow. Uh, you know, first in this conversation, I'm thinking, and what, what I found for my own, for myself is we, we are who we are. So who are you as, as that preacher, teacher? Um, what's your, do you have a style? Do you have a temper? I mean, we all have temperaments. We all have, have ways of communicating that are individualistic. So, so who who are you? And, and continue to try to draw that out and be confident in that. Know that that's what makes that, that that's what makes you unique. And then then hermeneutics, of course, is the, the 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 art and science of interpretation. Then you have homiletics, which is the art and science of delivering that message. And the idea of spending as much time thinking about and I don't know if we do the homiletical part of it as we do the hermeneutical part of it. Um, and uh, and if and there, I, I just love black preaching. I mean, you just if you want to if you want to see style, and if you want to see uh, mm-hmm. see the uh, see the uh, a, a homiletical homiletical uh, um, those that are experts at that, I just you know just the, the black preachers that I've been around that I just marvel at how they're able to put put that that message uh, into a into a form of communication that uh, is just. Uh, I was going to say magical, but 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 just really strikes strikes fire, as they would say. Um, so I would say uh, for uh, for myself, it's when I went from that hermeneutical uh, interest to the to the homiletical interest, and just how to deliver that, and then to make sure that I'm tying who I am into that. Uh, obviously, I can't be the black preacher, but I like the expression of that, and say, well, what's my expression, and being able to take that and, and raise that uh, to a level that is beyond just the, okay, well, I've put together these facts. Now just let me deliver them. Right. No, you put together these facts. Now deliver them. Right. Well, and I think that's where we have to think about those two things somewhat separately. I mean, the the hermeneutics is the science in one sense of how do you, how do you mm-hmm. come up with what the text says? And the homiletics really is the artistry of yeah. how are you going to deliver um, in a way that uh, that is – beautiful in a sense, um, or is, is connection, um, for, for people. Yeah. Ryan, what would you tell a young preacher? I would say to be clear. Um, so often I see pastors, you get done with the sermon, not so often young, young guys, um, young and preaching, they get done with the sermon. You go, what were you trying to communicate? Mm. And so can you step up in the pulpit and know the main point and it's a clear point, doesn't have a bunch of commas and semicolons and run-on sentences of like what that is. <laughs> and then making sure does the passage that you're going to use also make that point? Because you you either see a guy exegete the passage properly, but you but in 
their delivery, you're like, okay, so what are you trying to say here? Or they have a very clear point because they focused, um, because they're they're just in, in, in innately good at the homiletical side of things. But then they pull a passage, and you're like, well, that's out of thin air. Now, now you're just isogeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then with that, uh, you probably guess this is where I fall into. It's more words does not equal clarity, and more words does not equal better. Mm-hmm. So, like with the first time our student ministries pastor taught fresh out of college, never done this before. I told him, if you give me a 15-minute sermon that is clear, I will be far happier than a 50-minute sermon that is muddled with a bunch of theological words because the individual will gain and the pews will gain more clarity and um, impact from the 15-minute sermon that's clear, concise, to the point, exegeted well, communicated well. Um, so I think it far too often those new preachers stand up and say, well, I've got to fill the time instead of I've got to communicate what's on my heart right. that I have received from this passage. Right. I, I've kind of boiled it down and this is my Baptist alliterated three point sermon for preachers, um, that I've been thinking about for a while. And I've put them in together as three C's. Uh, the first one is exactly what you were saying, Ryan, clarity. Um, you, you, is there clarity in what you want to communicate? And that clarity should be one that is, uh, one that is derived from the passage. Um, and so if I was to, you know, 15 minutes after the sermon got over and somebody walked out and I said, what was that sermon about? They could give me something, uh, that, that would relate to the sermon and to the passage. And so that clarity, you know, uh, just because you read it in a commentary doesn't mean that it has to be communicated uh, on a uh, in the in the pulpit. Um, it hopefully provides if it provides more clarity, great. If it muddles the waters or you can't be clear in the way that you describe what you learned, then it probably shouldn't be shared. Um, so that's the first C, clarity. The second C is connection. Um, and so I would say there has to be some, and this goes goes in kind of almost a spider web that there has to be a connection between what you're going to say and the passage, but there also has to be a connection from the preacher to the, to the people. Um, I see some guys get up there where it, it becomes almost a a disassociated thing. Like I'm going to teach this, but there's never going to be a connection between me and the people. And I think at least in, in most of our context, the people that are sitting in the pews are the greatest fans of the people that are in the, in the pulpits. But they want a connection. They want something um, to, to you know, connect me, and then ultimately connect me, uh, connect the people in the pews to the to the text of scripture. And so I'm kind of being that bridge, that conduit that they're going to connect to me, to hopefully me connecting them to the passage of scripture. And then my other C is Christ. I mean, if you preach a message and you somehow don't get me to Christ. Uh, I'm going to have a problem with that message um, because I think you you fundamentally missed what it is. Now, sometimes that's laying on the on the surface, you know, like our series currently we're preaching on the I am statements of Christ. So if you preach on, you know, I am the good shepherd and you don't get me to Christ, um, you've severely failed. But it's not unheard of. You could you could preach that message and not not really get to Christ, his work, the reality of what he's done. Um, and so those, those have been kind of my bywords, at least recently. 
to try to help guys think through those um, and uh, and try to give at least some some formulation to those. Um, any thoughts on those guys? So when you when when you're uh, when you're in the service right before you get up to preach, what's your prayer, Ryan, Andy? What what, what are you praying before you get up? Well, I mean, I I have a pretty standard prayer before I preach. Um, and I don't know if our congregation has figured this out yet or not, but basically it's a confession of my inability to do anything of spiritual significance. And so mm-hmm. it's a plea for God to open open the eyes and show them Christ um, yeah. as we we as we walk through. Um, so it's it's both a confession and then a then a dependency and a uh, specifically addressed to the spirit, just say, you know, it's work in these people. Yeah, that's good. Ryan. Yeah. Mine, mine takes place not in the service, but just, um, directly before. And it is clarity of mind and thought Lord use this broken vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then third, it's make sure that I am first the recipient of the message myself before I'm the messenger yeah. of the message. Yeah, exactly. You know, two words come to my mind to add to your three Caesar and five is, is energy and engagement. Mm. Um, just uh, in, engagement, not only in the preparation, but then just being able, as you said, make that connection to engage the people and and to, and, and to do that, I think, needs some energy. And uh, so even physically, emotionally getting myself rested or ready to be able to bring energy, uh, then that is commensurate with the message that I'm to bring. Um, is, uh, is, uh, places that I go to as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame to see, um, weak preaching when the preacher doesn't care to fix it or doesn't care to work on it. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, it's, it's not every, obviously there are those individuals that are going to just be the, um, natural communicators and they're just they're going to fall over and think in these three-part sermons that are alliterated perfectly and their delivery is going to be great and they can stand up in front of you know 100 people and act like they're having a cut like i get those I, i get that you have those those individuals that are just made for this and that's their natural gifting and i'm totally jealous of them but it's the individuals that you see them struggling in one way or the other and they don't and they say it's okay and hmm. I, I, I shouldn't have to work on it. Or they don't want to hear where they're weak and therefore they don't want to work on things. Um, and I just think like we, we get to be heralds of the word of God and that's our craft. That's our opportunity. It's like to the pastors, it's like let's constantly be learners of trying to do that better. Not so that we can get, the, the preacher can get more glory, but so that the individual can, that we can be used by God for the individual to hear it fresh and new. So I, I understand that I, Glenn, as you said, energy, I just really think like there are those guys that are just, you can tell they're plodding along and not everyone's going to be the spiritual hype man. I get that. Um, and it's probably not even a good thing at times, but mm. just caring about, yeah, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years in a ministry still going, how can I communicate this better so that somebody can, can hear it afresh for the first time? Yeah. Well, and Very I think good. sometimes that's those young guys that have been, all of us are influenced in some way by the preachers that we've sat under, listened to, but 
you know, are you continuing to develop, you know, in, in writing, they talk about developing your own voice. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's the same thing in preaching. Like, are you developing your own voice that's uniquely you? Um, and that I think, you know, I've, I've heard guys say, well, this is the way John MacArthur or John Piper or whoever does it. And so that's the way I'm going to do it. Or, and, and I just want to say to them, well, you're not them, you know, and just because they have that background or experience, you know, you be you. God has uniquely gifted, called and created you. And I would even make an argument that that's part of the preacher's responsibility, um, that that message comes through you personally. Um, that's why I would argue something like, you know, using somebody else's message is not just a, is, is not just, you know, legally or morally wrong, but it's actually a, a spiritual um, issue as well, because it doesn't come through who God has made you to be. Yeah. Yeah. What what inspires you guys um and drives your creativity and preaching? Or is there is there is there something that like as you're writing a sermon, as you're thinking about something that you know, okay, this will help me in the writing process, thinking processes, is there an, a constant inspiration that you guys can pull from? Well, where my mind goes with that is just the fact that I have been moved by what I have heard others speak and preach. And, uh, and I have been changed and, and I would love to, to be used to be able to do that for someone else. I, I don't know that I can think of an inspiration, but I think a lot of times preachers tend to read or watch or be influenced down certain veins. And I think the breadth of what you can, you can read, think about, um, watch is always something that helps inspire or helps you think about how do you communicate. Um, so I, I struggle to sit in sermons and not work on a sermon. Yeah. That's like I naturally go there. Like I, I just, when somebody is preaching the word, well, this, this, obviously the spirit is there all the time, but you know, the spirit is moving and there's this, you know, you just see a man just doing their craft so well. It, there's, a, I have this compulsion where I just, I mentally go to the next thing I want to preach. And there's this, there's this inspiration of, I, I want to start working on that. Well, I would um, go in the opposite direction too. When somebody does it poorly, you know, my, oh, yeah. thought, my thought is, why did you say it that way? Why didn't you say it this way? You know, yep. or what, you know, why, why did you leave this diamond sitting right here in the, in the dirt? Why didn't you pick that up? So, and you know, I go back to, you know, I love my mantras. Here's, here's another mantra that I love that it's appropriate here. It's, it's connect, inspire, let's go. The idea, let's, let's get together, let's connect, let's join together at a service or, or whatever. Uh, let's inspire one another, whether it's through the message or just even talking with each other in the foyer, but for the point of let's go. Let's go and be uh, those people uh, that God wants us to be towards that mission that he wants us to be about. Um, I'd say that summarizes a lot of, of uh, what motivates me to, to do what I do. So but my closing question for you guys is one of, if we're talking to a leader, a pastor, um, or even maybe even a listener that uh, is discouraged about their teaching, uh, maybe they've had somebody, they've had a traveling speaker come through and the guy just, man, he just did this bang up job and you, you know, or they've been to a conference um, or they've listened to somebody online and they're, 
they're thinking about this message and thinking, man, I just, I, I can't do this. And, uh, or I, I, I'm not going to do it like that. What word of encouragement would you give to them? The gospel is spread and people's lives are changed by the ordinary pastors slugging it out every single week in the, in the pulpit. And yeah, you can have those crusade type moments where the special guests can come in and they're, they're going to preach the same sermon that they preached 150 times so they can nail every single joke and timing and they can preach the sermon with their eyes closed because they haven't memorized. But there's something to be said for week in, week out, simple faithfulness, declaring the word of God. Um, and preaching's like baseball. No one bats a thousand. <laughs> and the spirit uses terrible mm-hmm. sermons to change his lives. Cause it doesn't, it's not what we say. That's what he does. So. I would say need uh, or our desperation in those instances is the perfect ground for, for seeing God work. You know, it isn't the wisdom of Solomon. Uh, Solomon got his wisdom from the Holy spirit. Um, and so it's not necessarily the words of this person as much as the Spirit through that. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to His Word. Let's see how it plays out in your own life at this time. So uh, so get at it, young man. He's got something for you, and you've got something for them. Yeah, I, I would go down a similar line, uh, Glenn. Just the, this, uh, the Spirit is uh, going to use you in that unique moment, and it may not be the most beautiful thing, but I think that uh, going kind of going back to what you said, Ryan, the ordinary, everyday pastors, spirit working in them is going to accomplish so much more in building into the lives of those saints, especially over the long term, than, you know, that one single isolated moment. Um, and so don't don't give up. Um, continue continue to slug away and continue to work, um, even though you you don't feel effective in that moment because it's ultimately not about you. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been a great conversation about preaching. Uh, it's inspired me to get into it this, this afternoon and get a message finished that I need to work on. Um, I hope it's been the same for you guys. Um, and so uh, this has been a great time to compare notes and on life and ministry from three generations. I hope you'll come back and you'll join us again on the Comparing Notes podcast. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. We wanted to let all of our listeners know that we will be taking a break for the summer and will return the first week of August. If you'd like to contact us between now and then, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.